Welcome to the Ross Republic podcast. Um, my name is Adrian. I'm partner at Ross Republic. For this episode, I'm joined um, from our side by our senior advisor, um, Maso Arai, um, who's an expert in the field of ecosystem finance. And our guests today are two of the founders of Berlin-based fintech banks, where Nicolas Kipp, as well as Jens Röborn. Um, how is everyone doing? Doing Very fine. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Uh, glad to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Great to have you on the podcast. So also to provide a short introduction, um, Jens is the founder and managing director of Banksware. He's a German qualified lawyer and has over 20 years of experience in the payments and, and banking industry. And Nicolas is um, obviously also co-founder um, of Banksware, where he acts as chief risk and banking officer. Um, he, has a, he has extensive experience in the financial services industry, both in strategy consulting, as well as the startup scene where he has successfully built the risk model of uh, Germany's largest white label pay later service provider. So I think we can mention it, uh, it's uh, rate pay. Um, and uh, in a nutshell, banks where provides digital platforms, a seamless white label solution to offer lending and financial services to their own customers, so the merchants. Um, we will dive deeper into Banksware's value proposition in this episode. Um, but before, um, we always ask the question is uh, if there has been a fintech related news that you found very interesting recently. So I think it's always uh, interesting to hear what's on your mind, what kind of pieces of information you um, find interesting in the fintech field. Um, there's always a lot going on. So um, either Jens or Nicolas, has there been anything that um, yeah, you found interesting recently? So I think this week uh, I personally found interesting um, there was an article about a few of the pipe.com clones in Berlin coming up. Yeah. Um, that is not exactly our field, but we still study that with interest and, and it's a good validation for us that the, the field of embedded lending is moving forward. Um, yeah. Personally, outside of the fintech bubble, I'm much more concerned with like lending overall and uh, they yes. are obviously Corona is still relevant and the European um, Central Bank and the German uh, Federal Bank now issued some warnings that banks should prepare for, for a lot of work out and uh, yeah. start digitalizing their processes, which is also something that, that we are working a lot on. Mm -hmm. Super interesting. Yeah. Also, um, I think in, in general, we're, we're, um, we're seeing um, that a lot more companies are opening up to debt uh, as a method of financing. Um, and, uh, you know, especially in Germany, it was always, you know, take equity over debt. And now it's, it's um, uh, maybe also caused by, by the COVID pandemic, um, debt financing in general has, um, uh, has, has reached new highs. And um, there are various forms of debt financing, um, whether it's uh, an alternative to an equity funding, such as venture debt, uh, whether it's mm -hmm. um, uh, debt uh, where you turn your annual recurring revenue on a SaaS model, for example, into monthly recurring revenue, um, <clears throat> which is uh, leaning a little bit towards the, the, the factoring side uh, or uh, generally revenue-based lending um, in, in various uh, sizes and uh, various uh, forms, uh, which is where, where we see our niche. Um, and uh, it's, it's, I mean, to your point, you know, almost every week we see uh, news from companies uh, popping up in, in a similar space. Uh, which we find is, is proving our concept and uh, is, is a very exciting time. 
Absolutely. Um, actually, from my side or from our side, um, I've, what I find really interesting recently is the whole space of wealth management. Um, you know, we have negative interest rates plus inflation plus a huge pension gap. So, um, yeah, I think there are different startups trying to come in from different angles now, trying to challenge at least the established private banks um, and incumbents, which obviously also have not done that much in terms of new digital business models uh, when it comes to wealth management. Um, and of course, you can't ignore the 900 million funding round of Trade Republic, um, <laughs> which hopefully makes more Germans uh, stock owners than uh, over the, like what happened over the last decades. Um, so yeah, I think that's a super interesting space to watch as well. Um, this whole like digital private banking or democratization of wealth building and so on. I think there's a lot of interesting work to do um, and also a lot of interesting challenges in that field. I think you're, you're, you're touching it, uh, another point that I uh, find very interesting these days is with, with Trade Republic, with WeFox and all these mega funding rounds that we are observing uh, these days, especially in the fintech space, uh, for the first time brings valuations and ticket sizes that you normally only see in the U.S., uh, here uh, to Germany. Um, so, uh, and, and obviously with these kinds of fundings, um, you have more possibilities that are available to you. You don't need to micromanage with smaller rounds. You can think big. And um, uh, that's that's a very, uh, I see this as a very positive sign uh, for, for German startups, especially in the fintech space. Um, and we're really good to see how how this has finally come to Germany and fintech being the uh, the vertical kind of spearheading that uh, uh, that those those huge rounds. Mm, absolutely. How do you see the? I mean, you guys have been in Germany obviously for for a long time, and how do you see banks? Really reacting to your products and your services because you're directly competing with them uh, and taking a space from them uh, in, in this market and you're doing it in a totally different way than they would do it so have you had any interaction with uh, smaller or bigger banks on, on mm -hmm. how they relate to you so I think the interesting like aspect of our operating model is that we partner with banks so we do not use our own funds for lending but in the back we have banking partners and we have a pretty i would say friendly and and eye to eye relationship with them so what we want to do is we want to bridge the traditional banking world which obviously has a lot of cash and and really well-regulated processes. And then the e-commerce, the, e um, the, the whole commerce space, which is much more dynamic, and bridge that by sort of providing like, like a middle layer, a connector um, between the two. And uh, so far, we have gotten a lot of really positive feedback from the banking side. Um, at, at, in the beginning, even much more active than, than on the on e-com the e side, where we needed to do some, some education of the market, whereas for banks, it's pretty natural to look at different distribution channels to outsource part of their underwriting and operations to work with technology providers such as Banksware. Um, so that is working out quite nicely, actually. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, you know, on top, we open a new target audience and underbanked target audience to the banks. So um, 
they could not lend to them directly. They're, they would not match their um, uh, general criteria for lending. Um, so with us as a buffer and with the additional data that we access um, coming from platforms, uh, uh, the, the, the repayment flow of, for the loans that we manage um, and monitor, uh, all of this gives them the comfort to actually lend to a target audience that would otherwise not be eligible uh, for, for a loan. So it's, it's a win-win situation for the banks and us. Um, uh, so, so currently we don't see this as a, as a, as a comp- competitive situation. You're basically, I mean, you guys are complementing them and you're bringing them business. So it, it's, uh, it's more the other way around. That mm-hmm. you're helping them, as you said, it's a very good point. Um, you're helping them to reach the unbanked, whether it's merchants and and, and these these other ones, uh, these contacts. Exactly, and, and what we are doing on the way, um, which is super exciting for me as a risk manager, is we are digitalizing the whole underwriting process. So we are building the first end-to-end digital underwriting platform for SMEs in Germany. Something that in consumer finance has been happening for a long time. We just developed on the side just to serve our embedded lending proposition. And when, when I present this to banking partners, they get super excited and have a lot of ideas to use this also for their whole business. So suddenly we have demands to, to lease our technology on, on a SaaS basis, something that at the moment we don't even want to focus on. But obviously it's good to hear because it shows the value of what our tech team has developed. Absolutely. Actually, that brings me like to to my main entry point into the whole topic of embedded lending, which is um, I've, the way I see the market is that we had from 2000 to now like a period of digitalization in banking, um, which mostly kind of resulted in a digital facelift of traditional banking products. So um, for digital front ends, and you host a lot of stuff in the cloud, but at the same time, it's still same products, still linear channels. So banks still kind of require customers to go to the branches or to their own app and so on. So kind of a very narrow view on digitalization, um, which hasn't really solved most of uh, the bank's profitability issues or they still have them. So um, in that case, uh, um, I think this whole embedded banking era that I think now begins opens up actually now the missing factor, which is, um, that you need to combine tech with um, a twist in the business model um, uh, and, and really a higher, like, let's say, also an improvement in the underwriting and so on, which, which you do, which wasn't somehow like possible before. Um, now with the digital platforms that emerge and are really established. So I think a lot of puzzle pieces come together now. Um, so I, I really believe that this um, that there will be huge platform players in banking that, as as you do it, um, provide um, APIs um, that allow other third parties to embed banking into their uh, propositions, um, which brings us to, to the topic of this whole podcast, which is embedded lending. So how to provide APIs for platforms like, you know, I think we go a little bit deeper now um, into the topic in a minute um, that can plug into these APIs um, and basically have an easy to use um, tool to add a very specific financial services value proposition to their existing product portfolio, which is obviously not coming from banking. Um, and I think that makes it very interesting because these platforms like, you know, food delivery platforms, um, e-commerce platforms, and so on. Also, a lot of niche platforms obviously um, have quite a lot of customer numbers, um, but, um, you know, have a very sticky brand, um, a high frequency product. Basically, customers use them all day. Um, so why shouldn't they also 
um, have a banking product integrated there? Why should they always either visit the bank branch or, you know, um, go to an, let's say, neo bank that also doesn't offer the right uh, tailored banking product and lending product? Um, so I would I would be very interested to see how you see this whole, like from a big macro perspective, um, the whole banking industry going. Do you do you are you a believer in, in this whole embedded banking theory? Obviously, I think you have to. But um, um, how, how do you see that um, playing out for you as a platform, traditional banks, you already mentioned you're building a bridge to this new world. Um, how do you see this whole um, playing field in the future? So I, I think this like dichotomy of banking and, and brands or commerce, that's just disappearing. And for a lot of the platforms, it just makes sense to offer 360 degree of services for, for their customers or their merchants. Um, and with with uh, more and more platforms emerging and as, as you say stickiness increasing um, they are seeing much more more traffic um, they just naturally move into into banking services without even seeing it as banking services so the requests we get are not i need a lending product but i just want to help my merchants grow on my e-com marketplace or um, i want to find a solution for um, i don't know a handyman um, to to increase his purchase power in order to serve more more customers that kind of stuff um, or I want to have a solution for a cab driver to navigate through difficult times and um, have a way to still make business if his car breaks down which obviously would be for us a, a loan or a factoring solution or an insurance solution in the world we think um, but but they don't um, and this is where then they also quickly get to where they cannot proceed without understanding the regulatory world, having access to the capital, understanding the operations required. So then naturally they move into partnering with companies such as Banksware or a lot of the, the new ones emerging um, to offer these services. And it's not so much, I mean, obviously we tell them, hey, you can increase the customer lifetime value of your merchant, you can increase stickiness, you can prevent churn and so on. But in the end for them, it's much more this, 360-degree perspective of, of enabling a merchant, a customer to grow and prosper on a platform. Yeah, I think the benefits for the merchant is super clear. Um, what do you think about the banks in the background? Like in your case, they provide the funds. Um, where do you see them in this whole field? Are they pushed back in the value chain to, to be like the license holder and the balance sheet provider? Or in, if everything gets embedded or at least like a lot of the banking services um, do you still think there's yeah. room for like a universal banking model i mean may, maybe in the end this this pushes back the the bank a bit in the background but i think it's much more important what what jens just mentioned that these are often business models or segments that haven't been serviced before so mm -hmm. the the loans we hand out they go to verticals that are just not serviced they enable businesses to grow that otherwise wouldn't grow um, they they allow for new forms of commerce. Um, I mean, obviously, if you look at the U.S., for example, where Walmart is offering bank accounts that would other be otherwise be serviced by Wells Fargo, for example. I mean, sure. Then then we are talking about competition. But um, in in this new e-com space where we operate in, it's not really so much about competition. Yeah, if you look at it, it really depends how uh, far in the future you want to look uh, when you look at this answer, you know, I think um, um, I think uh, the COVID pandemic has changed a lot also with regard to uh, many people 
take this as the opportunity to start their own business. And um, uh, if a platform can make it easy for them, um, so make uh, provide as much tools as they can uh, for a business, for a small business to start, uh, it can start with invoicing and it can start with uh, accounting uh, tools. It can start with, and then it, it will uh, eventually um, uh, merge into a full suite of uh, tool, tool sets such as bank accounts uh, and what have you. And um, I think it will, uh, in the long run, you will have, um, uh, you know, banks will no longer be the classic bank you have today. They will be a certain infrastructure player. Um, and I think those who open themselves up to banking as a service now are the ones that are um, prevailing long term. Um, because uh, in, in a few years, you you no longer ask yourself, am I with Deutsche Bank or Sparkasse? You ask yourself, it, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, it's, it's going to be a commodity service provider um, that is in the background. It's, 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 a, it's a bank under the hood of a you know, big platform like an Amazon or whatever uh, uh, that is the face towards the customer. And um, I, I agree with you that uh, we're not there yet. I think that uh, there is a there is going to be pushback um, uh, from the banks. But uh, you know, if you look at BBVA in the U.S. or Goldman Sachs in the U.S. embracing this model versus um, uh, trying to prevent it, uh, I think that's the right way to go. Did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean the the way you guys are approaching this is kind of um, serving the community so that the community can grow uh, instead of just being uh, the, the, in the background with the bank and and being part of a you could say life cycle of the merchant and uh, offering the merchant when when uh, or their customer when they need it. And uh, that's just something that the banks usually don't look at. The banks look at a uh, certain balance sheet and then they say that whether you will have it or not. Where when it's embedded like yours, it's more at that moment, uh, at that very second, uh, you evaluate whether you get it or not and then it helps you move move on. Um, and that's very interesting due to the fact that it's very much also resembles how for example, Alipay operates in, in this space with all their merchants and, and how they try to help the community of merchants to actually grow because when the community of merchants grow, everybody else will win too. And mm -hmm. you have to kind of the same philosophy, which I'm really happy to see because uh, I haven't seen any other one trying to do the same, trying to mm -hmm. embed yourself into the kind of a life cycle of the merchant and helping them when they need to. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you know, on top of what we just uh, mentioned about serving unbanked or underbanked uh, uh, um, uh, target audiences, it's, it's also the speed and convenience that will be a, a, maybe even the most uh, important driving factor for uh, businesses such as Banksware. Um, we um, have it, our solution makes it so super simple for the platform to integrate. Um, the last platform uh, that we integrated was integrated in 
what, 48 hours, uh, something like that, uh, very, very fast. Um, and uh, it makes it easy for the merchant. The merchant has a pretty good idea. I'm, uh, you know, for the, for the past six months, I've been growing whatever, 10% month over month. Um, and now I want to replenish or I want to um, uh, buy new outdoor furniture for my restaurant or what have you. Um, they can apply with us and from the moment they apply, latest 15 minutes later, they know whether or not they're eligible for a loan uh, and have the money in the bank. So it's not like um, I have to go to the bank and I have to tell this uh, guy behind the counter why I want a loan and then uh, six months later I have it or not. It's, it's a very convenient, very fast solution that allows the merchant also to plan accordingly. You know, if I have to discuss for weeks um, whether I get the loan or not, uh, it, it makes it difficult to plan. And um, only with, uh, you know, the data tapping into all the data sources that we do, we can be so fast and we can, um, you know, allow the merchant to have like a mental line of credit much rather than, you know, the traditional loan approach that uh, he would usually be uh, uh, be subject to, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, one of my, the way you explained it now, it makes it very obvious um, that there are various benefits in having a lending product directly embedded into merchant platforms. Um, if we, like when we, when you were kind of planning your service um, and the proposition, has there been any consideration of going direct to business to, to, because you have the underwriting model, but you could also use platform data and plug it in. Um, has this been even a consideration? Because a lot of fintechs have tried to go direct to market. Um, how do you see this? Uh, because I see it as a huge advantage if you don't have these customer acquisition costs, right? Yeah, we never we never entertained that thought. I mean, uh, to your point, customer acquisition costs. Uh, we, we have, uh, you know, one integration and uh, tap into a huge pool of um, uh, potential uh, borrowers. So it's not um so cumbersome and we can standardize the process because these merchants are already integrated with a platform so it's one integration with a platform and um the merchants by nature are already compatible with it so it's um it, it was never an idea to go one by one you know i will be there may be a time where we have that offer simply because for us, it's it's you know relatively easy to do it one way or the other, uh, but our our overall approach um, was and our focus will be the integration model with platforms, <clears throat> and platforms uh, are in in you know are, are the fastest growing um, uh, e-commerce marketplaces, payment service providers, accounting everything that moves to the cloud eventually will be a platform with certain unique data about its users. And that's data we can tap into and eventually lend uh, upon. Yeah. Are there any certain um, platforms that you focus on at the beginning or does your lending model work for kind of a lot of different businesses like restaurants, e-commerce sellers? Uh, do you specify so, that? So the obviously the model itself like the scorecard always needs needs tweaking per industry um this is why we made sure from day one on to to have it multi-industry and and like um 
we follow a, technically speaking a tenant model where we can can configure for any kind of product marketplace platform country level um, but the sweet spot we are focusing on right now is really e-com and payment providers um, where also from from the background in the founders team we we have a broad network and good understanding um, now uh, the one restaurant uh, platform we went live with um, that's also super interesting um, because it's sort of um, which is the two, right? So people order online, but it's it's still physical uh, space. Um, but obviously, I mean, long term, you can look at mobility and travel, which now is picking up again. And where we are talking to some, as Jens mentioned, um, any accounting system provider, um, a lot of software tools are interesting. Um, the more you look, the more um, marketplaces and platforms you really find. Um, but as always, it makes sense to, to have somewhat of a focus in the beginning to, to really get your product nailed to this niche and really um, meet any requirement out there. Mm -hmm. So in, in this whole um, setup that you have now, what would you say is then your biggest competitive advantage? Is it the risk engine that you've built? Um, is it the, you know, the business value of building the bridge between the balance sheet holders and the end merchants? Uh, how would you describe yeah. it? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a combination of all of these. So, um, technologically speaking, of course, the the risk and underwriting engine um, is key. And I mean, there's a reason why large parts of our tech team come from Klarna, which obviously is a company that's really good in that. Our CTO previously built the same thing at Klarna. Um, but then again, if you look at the business model, also the relationship we have to banks is really an asset. So, from the day one on, we have 100 million we can land. Like there's no fintech, like normally you start with five or 10 and it's super expensive and you struggle to scale. We don't have that issue because we see banks as partners and not as competition. Um, then also, I mean, distribution wise, so we are not the best in, in online marketing and reaching merchants directly, but our network to, to uh, marketplaces and uh, payment providers is extensive. I mean, um, I think Jens has, as, as a lawyer, consulted every single payment operator out there. Um, so there's a reason why we are talking to those um, firstly, and, and we really understand their language and the way of thinking and, and can convince them that this makes sense for their business model. And, and uh, you know, as always, it helps to, to look into the U.S., you know, and uh, it's not that we're reinventing the wheel. Uh, we tap into uh, data that is only possible because of, of PSD2 and um, the respective uh, APIs and interfaces that, uh, uh, that banks have to implement as a result of it. Um, in the U.S., um, I'd say uh, every payment provider, every ISO has a program called a merchant cash advance, uh, which is similar to what we have. And uh, here in Europe right now, we, we see almost exclusively PayPal uh, with a model like that. So <clears throat> this, this was kind of the, the whole idea to say, um, you know, instead of every payment service provider platform having to build its own lending product, we offer it to them on a wide label basis because we already see in the US that it becomes a certain type of commodity that merchants are expecting from their platforms to, to offer. Uh, you can get it from Shopify, from Amazon, uh, from every payment provider. Uh, in the US here, you can't. And uh, so I think we're an, an enabler for that uh, for the platforms 
as well. Yeah, it sounds all kind of like rosy that you, you the, the journey that you have had, but I guess there has been challenges. Uh, so you didn't get uh, get here where you are easy either. What were the main challenges that you had and how you tackled them and what are the challenges that you see ahead? I think just maybe looking back and then Jens is better to look ahead. Um, I mean, obviously the space we are in is super difficult and there's a reason why we are not a team that came out of university, but we have all been doing that for a long time now. The, the compliance, the regulation, uh, the technical complexity related to handing out loans is extremely difficult. And I mean, we spent the better part of the last year just writing a ton of outsourcing documentation. We are fully compliant with all banking regulation in the European Union. Even if we are not licensed, we operate for a licensed provider and essential outsourcing. So this took a lot of effort and is something that not a lot of people can achieve very, very quickly. Yeah, and um, I think uh, operating as somewhat uh, of, a, of a middleware provider, you operate, you, you have to deal in, in, in all directions with various parties. You know, you have to deal with the lenders, the banks, uh, with their compliance, with their policies, uh, uh, agree on the scorecard, uh, make sure you're scalable on the lending side as well, uh, and you need to deal with the platforms. Um, and uh, the platforms, again, have uh, certain specifics uh, uh, in different industries and verticals. Uh, but then on top, you have to deal with the merchants and you make sure the merchant is uh, aware of the loan offering and actually applies for the loan. So um, we're dealing on multiple layers, um, which which is is a challenge. And uh, we're, we're dealing with large incumbents and businesses uh, with long sales cycles you know so all of these are things that that we were uh, we were aware of uh, but uh, you know none of these complex businesses are built uh, overnight and then just uh, go go through the roof without uh, without much hassle but um, you know we're, we're trying to build a hassle-free solution so all the hassle is eventually on us mm -hmm. Very interesting. Actually, um, if we go towards the end of the podcast, um, I would really like to talk about your one of your latest partnerships with Lieferando. Um, obviously, one of the biggest, uh, um, you know, restaurant platforms that we have, which also got a huge boost, boost uh, from Corona. Um, you recently um, announced that you have agreed um, that uh, the merchants that can log into the Lieferando partner webshop uh, can then directly get uh, um, liquidity based on the future revenues that they generate on Lieferando. Um, so I would be I would be interesting or I would be interested to hear um, in the first place uh, why you chose um, a sub brand for this partnership because obviously you um, have launched uh, Get Raoul um, as like the customer facing you know the brand that the merchants see the restaurants see um, and Banksware is then hidden in the background um, is that um, obviously a conscious decision that Banksware should just be like a tech player uh, enabling stuff and not be owned like the customer. Um, so I would be really interested to hear about the backstory of that one. Sure. That's in the end a proof of concept. It's a, it's a test um, we are doing um, to, to figure out like how, how well this is working and what branding works best. Our base assumption on, on how we build Banksware is that 
we will not never be a better brand than the platform. So we strongly believe that Lieferando is a super cool brand and, and it will always attract um, customers and, and um, excite merchants. So ultimately, if you look at the, the brand, Get Raul, it's, it's very much restaurant focused and it's, it's more like a, a partner brand for Lieferando. Whereas Bankswell, of course, is this this uh, very technical fintech brand um, that that doesn't speak so much to restaurant owners. Yeah, it makes fully sense. Huh. Yeah, so I mean, for us, it's just um, a first step that allows uh, more or less an instant launch of the product, whereas a deep integration takes more time. And uh, we have a roadmap to integrate deeper. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so it's only a first step, and that's what I mean. You know, we, we take a day or two uh, to get that going. It's 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 uh, integrated, uh, oh. whereas uh, with the other solution, while well, we take um, uh, away all the efforts for the platform, so there's uh, going to be a minimal invasive uh, uh, integration effort on their end. Uh, it's still, you know, accessing APIs and connectors and what have you uh, is, is just more uh, time consuming. So it's, it's okay. really an accelerator for our go to market. I was wondering what is, um, do you have any um, geographical restrictions today or is it uh, the moon is the limit kind <laughs> of? Well, our our um, engine uh, is fed by data from mostly external data providers, and uh, uh, we can go anywhere in the PSD two area. Um, so that's the European Union, um, and we uh, can tap into the various data providers, scoring providers. Uh, uh, in these areas, um, so uh, one of our main data providers in Germany, uh, FinTech Systems, just recently got acquired by Tink as a more international player. Um, you know, so all of these things help us accelerate our uh, internationalization. Um, so it is for us, um, extreme, we have an extremely scalable solution because all we need to do is integrate with a local data provider, uh, say in Benelux, Netherlands, France, uh, you name it. And uh, we can then do the same thing. Um, if you go outside a PSD2 area, uh, wherever there is somewhat of a harmonized open banking, uh, we can also do that relatively quickly. Then uh, one of my last questions would be, what, what do you see now as your next step going forward? Because you already mentioned it's very challenging to operate such a kind of two-sided uh, model where on the one hand you need to convince merchants um, and of course the platforms um, that they run on. So um, I think they're obviously on the, on the demand side, there are different kinds of um, challenges uh, as well as on the supply side with the banks, which I guess you kind of have a more easier sell. Um, uh, would be interesting to hear what uh, do you see in the, as a next step for banks we're going forward? I think it's going to be traction, traction, traction. We want yeah. uh, you know, to uh, integrate with as many platforms as we can. Um, hence, uh, this, this, this first kind of light uh, integration approach that we take. Um, and, uh, you know, then see where it takes us. Um, I think uh, here in Germany alone, we're, we have the biggest economy in, in Europe. We, um, uh, you know, we have, uh, we're really, you know, 
I would say, have created a lot of demand both on the platform side and the lender side. So once we have traction, we get more lenders um, uh, and have more lenders lined up. So I think it's uh, 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 just going to be get get this going and process as many loans as we can, uh, integrate more platforms. Um, so uh, that's the, the, the short term uh, plan and long term. Uh, to be honest, you know, I think uh, some of our customers have already expressed interest to to take us into other jurisdictions where they are active as well. Uh, so probably we'll follow that as the lowest hanging fruit. All right. What about product extensions? Do you see yourself also um, launching other product lines? I can see on your website already card, uh, card products. Is that something you're working on? Yes, definitely. Um, for us, I mean, we see ourselves as a lending as a service company. And mm -hmm. if you look at lending, lending is not just a loan. Lending can be many forms and it can go into the direction of insurance products, as I mentioned. Um, it makes a lot of sense to combine it with uh, credit cards. Mm -hmm. um, but then also within the lending space itself, you have so many different options. And in the end, it always depends on what platform we want to serve, what merchant um, demographic we want to target. Um, and there we have a lot of ideas for, for different new products. All right. No, that sounds uh, sounds really amazing. Um, in preparation for this podcast, I've uh, actually checked uh, some of the statistics. Um, they're now a little bit old, uh, three years old, but um, 2018, 36% uh, of all unsecured corporate loans actually went to SMEs. So obviously it's a huge market share, very fragmented. So I think your model makes a lot of sense in actually plugging that into the different platforms, which now got a huge boost, uh, boost through COVID. Um, and if you look at the lending processes that SMEs um, have to deal with today, as you mentioned, uh, Jens going to the bank, it's very cumbersome, slow, paper-based, um, a lot of underwriting models. Even if you even if you um, want to get a loan, I actually saw a recent ad on LinkedIn from a well-known incumbent brand, banking brand in Germany, targeting SMEs, um, and um, that led you to a digital landing page. Um, but in order to get the loan, um, you had to click on a button, which got you to a branch finder. So you had to visit the branch. Um, mm. So that's like that's often the state of um, well digital innovation at banks. So I think um, for the the massive um, opportunities for the banks to actually work with you um, as an additional source of um, distribution, basically, and for the merchants, obviously, to provide also more more added value to their own customers. Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, I mean, unsecured working capital loans are the most profitable product a bank has. And uh, uh, it's only that profitable because uh, the risk that comes with it historically has proven to be um, also on the higher side. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, with with uh, with all the Basel capitalization requirements and all that stuff, it's uh, become difficult for these banks to uh, to to provide these loans, and um, I think we found a solution for them uh, to to uh, get more comfort and also to classify these loans maybe a little bit differently um, or securitize them and uh, kind of find solutions where they can take them off their balance sheet. Um, so all of these uh, things we're we're working on on the banking side as well. All right. So if any bank that's listening or also merchant platform, uh, go to uh, banksware.com. You can request, uh, request your demo there. Um, highly recommend it. And um, yeah, from our side, a big thank you to Nicolas and Jens. Um, also to you, Marcel, for having joined. Uh, it was a super interesting discussion. I have uh, 
quite a lot of notes. I think we could actually talk uh, for hours about uh, all different aspects of how this model works. Um, but um, yeah, for now, all the best uh, for the future. Um, I yeah, look very much forward to see how, how your whole model develops and how this whole market develops. It's very, very interesting. Yeah, thanks for having us. And yeah. super cool to see how well you understand the space. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, thank you, Adrian.